Our scripture reading this morning is from Genesis 6, verses 6 through 11. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is a genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation. Noah walked with God. And Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japhthah. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. This is the word of God for all people. I have always loved the 4th of July, not for any great patriotic reason, but because the 4th of July was my dad's birthday. And I don't know how old I was, probably older than I should have been because I had a tendency to be a very naive child before I realized that the fireworks and all the celebration were not for my dad's birthday. But I lived in a neighborhood when I was younger where my dad's birthday was on the 4th and Mrs. Beck, a couple doors down, had a birthday on July 5th. So July 4th always became party central. We had a big neighborhood picnic. We took the backyards and we had games and food and always a couple cakes and gay gifts. The only gift I ever remember my dad getting was one year he got this huge, huge box that weighed almost nothing and he started pulling out pieces of tissue paper, and in the middle of it was nestled a little tiny fishing fly. Those were the kind of gifts they gave. But then we had a neighbor across the street who had a second-story porch on their house, and when it got dark, we went over there and sat on the porch and watched the fireworks from Whetstone Park. And, you know, they were for my dad's birthday. Mrs. Beck's birthday didn't count because her birthday was the 5th. These fireworks were for my dad. Well, I've grown up enough since then that I realized 4th of July was not all about my dad and our family. Um, I love my country, but if you're like me, I'm very concerned about our country. I don't know what it's like for Sandy and Karen and Stacy when God asked them, or when Pastor Floyd asked them to deliver the message. For me, it's a struggle. Um, It takes me a while to figure out what I'm doing. I have known about today since last May, the week after Sandy and I gave communion, Pastor Floyd asked if I would do this Sunday. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's an easy one. You know, it's the 4th of July weekend. There's love of God, love of country, patriotism, easy peasy piece of cake. Wasn't the case. Um... When I've been asked to give a message, I turn to God and I kind of wait for a word or a phrase or something that will show me where he wants me to go. He then sort of lets me go, but he guides me. For two months, the only word I have been hearing is Noah. I thought, what in the world does Noah have to do with the United States of America's Day of Independence? It just made no sense to me at all. And I didn't hear it just once. I heard it several times, so I knew it was, it was a God thing. 
I kept looking up passages in my Bible, hoping to find something to connect God and country that seemed to be the right thing that I was supposed to say, and nothing seemed to click. Um, and again, I would hear Noah. Now, I like the, I mean, I know our faith is based on Christ of the New Testament, but I love the Old Testament. I love studying the Old Testament. I love looking for the connections and the um, connections to Christ and the predictions of his coming and everything in the Old Testament. So the idea of Noah wasn't bad. It's was just trying to connect the 4th of July and Noah together. But then I, got, I started getting some things. I heard um, I got a devotional uh, newspaper article. I got a new book from Max Lucado that all referenced Noah. And slowly the whole thing started making sense. And I kind of got excited. Um, I just had to be patient and wait for God to lead me down the path where he wanted me to go. And he led me many places. I don't know how many times I read the story of Noah and the ark and the flood. And I don't know how many different versions of the Bible. I pulled out study Bibles. I pulled out Bible commentaries. You know, if there had been a Cliss note, I probably would have pulled out a Cliss note of the Bible too to study that. And slowly I started to sign that connection. Noah was, the thing that stuck out the most about Noah was that he was just, he was perfect in his generation and that he found grace with God. He lived in a very evil time. Remember what Genesis 6:11 said, the earth was also corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. I think we live in evil times, if not evil, at least violent times right now. Think how Noah's children must have felt. They lived in that same world with him that was evil and corrupt. They could have just as easily been a part of that world. Yet when their father asked them to help build an ark and live on it, they agreed to come with him. They did not laugh at him and say, nope, we're going to go join our friends and live in the world as it is today. And by the way, one thing I found out in my study, there were more than just two of every kind of animal. Those two, the two animals that they talk about that were specifically selected were the ones that were to procreate and continue that, that species. There were other animals on the ark for food and for um, sacrifices that they made and everything. So it was smelly and dirty and probably not a real pleasant place to live. Yet those boys, and well, boys, men and their families chose to follow Noah. That's a strong testimony to Noah's faith and his influence on those around him. Strong family ties and influences can greatly affect where a child goes. Because of Noah's faith and obedience, he found hope. The dove and the olive branch were the sign of that hope. America has been known as a Christian nation since its founding in the 1770s. And even before that time, the early settlers that came here, many of them were Christians. They were coming to this country for religious freedom so they could worship as they chose, not be under the influence of a, a state church. Many of our founding fathers were Christians. We know the beginning words of the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident. 
that men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And the closing words of the Declaration are, and for the support of this Declaration, with firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Our founding fathers were not going into separation from England without God's guidance. Many of the foundational documents of our country contain biblical, uh, biblical principles. By the middle of the 20th century, America began to be known as a post-Christian nation as God moved further away from public influence. That's when you stopped praying in schools. Um, you weren't allowed to have prayer before meetings. You couldn't put a nativity on a city hall lawn at Christmas time. You couldn't have any kind of religious symbol on a building or a sign or anything. We all realize, I think, that our country's in a bad way, not just financially or politically or environmentally, but I think more importantly, morally and socially. An editorial about Cal Thomas, who is, sometimes I agree with him, sometimes I don't, but I, this is one of the editorials that really hit me quoted two Gallup polls that pointed to an erosion of foundational principles. 50% of the people surveyed said the state of moral values in America are poor. 78% feel those values are heading in the wrong direction. He went on to say, moral decline along with massive debt has contributed to the collapse of great nations in the past. If a foundation is defective, any house built on it will likely experience distress. What makes us think we can escape the judgment of history and avoid a similar fate? A house and its foundation must be maintained. A car must be serviced. A body must be taken care of. So must America. The second Gallup poll that he quoted said found, that found belief in the existence of God has reached a new low. 81% surveyed said they believe in God, but that is down from 87%, which is where it was consistently from 2013 to 2017. When we stop believing in God, we tend to start believing in something else, whether it's ourself, our job, our car, sports, whatever. You've got to think, what can be better than believing in God. Filling that empty space with something else just doesn't work. It may be harder to live as a Christian in a post-Christian world, or maybe not. Hear these words of David Jeremiah. The biblical requirement for faithfulness as the way to please God is the same. The need to remain faithful never changes. Noah proved it possible to live in a corrupt culture and still please God. His holy fear, his reverence of God, caused him to stand firm in faithfulness in spite of getting no support from the culture in which he lived. Does that sound a little bit like today? How, much of, how many of you as Christians 
get support from the culture around you. How many Christians in dealing with other Christians get support from each other? Isn't that what's causing the division in the United Methodist Church, the Presbyterian Church, the Episcopal Church, any of the churches that have been facing divisions and everything in the last few years? They're not getting support from the other Christians, even within their own denomination. So how much worse is it for those of Christians trying to get support from non-Christians in the society around us? Billy Graham once said, America was not at a crossroads, but had traveled down the wrong road, and they needed to turn around, come back to the crossroads, and travel down the right road. Do we have what it takes to be a Noah in this day and age, in this world? People around us are profoundly affected by our choices and our actions. Our life should stand in stark contrast to what the world tries to persuade people to do. They're watching us, especially if they know you're a Christian. They're watching to see how you react to certain situations. They're watching to see if you're the first one to go out and throw a rock through somebody's window because you disagree with a decision that was made. They're watching. They're waiting. And we need to give them the right picture of us. Our lives should convince the people around us the wisdom of following God, to climb on that ark. Noah's obedience affected his family's lives. Our obedience should also affect others. Be a Noah in this world. Amen. Will you please stand on our final?